Welcome to Mystical Musings, March 15th, 2015, here in the Library of Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest place in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of spiritual communities in America. Thank you for joining us today, creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths. I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. curiosity, and commitment. The word curiosity derives from the German and the Latin for care, grief, lament. Nothing like deep loss to evoke an exquisite attentiveness to a curiosity about the present moment and the depth of our heart. The word commitment derives from the Latin for joining, entrusting. As mystics, we trust and commit ourselves to do our best. Commitment is unlike any human endeavor and unlike feelings, though it will engender many feelings. It is unlike sensations or thought, though commitment involves both. Commitment is beyond purpose, though is inclusive of it. Commitment includes intention, but is not limited to it. Commitment is brought into being by our declaring it to be so. Commitment rests on our word, nothing more, nothing less. In the beginning, there was the word, the divine principle committing itself to life and to love. And thus do we mystics so commit. Curiosity is a driving force, maybe even the driving force of human endeavor. One does not need commitment to affect curiosity, though commitment will bring forth intense curiosity. In our long human apprenticeship, curiosity is the foundation of the child's playful approach to learning anything. Curiosity pushes boundaries, helping us dig deeper than we ever thought possible. The Buddha says, life is suffering. So let's get curious for a little while and delve into what one of the greatest mystics meant by this fundamental idea and experience that life is suffering. And if life is suffering, how do we accept this? Do we resign ourselves to it or somehow surrender to this? And what does this mean for daily life and our commitment to the spiritual mystic life? If life is suffering, maybe we shouldn't be so willing to be curious. 
might curiosity not only kill the cat, but bring on more suffering for us. The word suffering derives from the Latin for bearing from below. Bearing from below what? Bearing from under the surface of life. Bearing from below the feelings beneath the thinking mind. Bearing from below, from unconsciousness into the light of consciousness. No doubt suffering can reference pain and disease, but not at all exclusively. Life is suffering is what the great avatar says, not life is awful, not life sucks, <laughs> not life is misery. Life is suffering. Life is under the surface. Buddha also said that the thinking mind, that which seems to be mostly at the surface, is the single greatest impediment to enlightenment, especially with its resistance to our heart, resistance to our feeling our own fear and anger and grief. So let's get curious about being under the surface. Getting curious right now about sensing Sensing right now your areas and points of support. Directing your attention to sensing your feet. Feeling the earth supporting you. Sensing your legs against the chair. Feeling the earth, Mama Gaia, supporting you feeling your back against the chair. Feeling your own hands on your lap. And from time to time during the musing, you may want to uncross your legs and just feel open position and then cross your legs back and feel what it does to the energy when you're crossing yourself a little bit. Support is essential. Noticing now the quality of your relationship with support. Am I slouching or collapsing into the support? If you're collapsing, can you be just a little bit taller? Not much, just the least little non-effortful extension into slight lengthening. Noticing the flow of emotions emotions, energy in motion. With each breath, noticing and sensing and feeling. Beneath thinking mind, under the surface. Staying with the embodied sensing, staying with a form of attentional committing. Keep coming back to committing your attention to coming back to under the surface, sensing, feeling, the moving of your breathing, all of that and more under the surface. This is the attentional commitment of daily practice. Staying with, committing to the intended focus of the organic, under the surface functions of our being human. Sensing, moving, breathing a little more fully and our emotions, intentionally feeling our hearts. What are you feeling right now, emotionally? Sometimes that's a little tricky question. It can be facilitated by asking yourself, what's my attitude right now? What's my heart up to at the moment? Can you sense your heart beating? 
allowing your breathing to deepen slightly, just a little, to assist with evoking curiosity about feeling feelings, sensing sensations, being present to deepening breathing, bringing an unconditional willingness and unconditional love to that which our thinking minds might resist, but what our hearts are beckoning us ever more fully to feel, to allow, softening into, yielding, surrendering. Welcome and namaste. Thank you all for creating this beautiful spring day. Uh, we really appreciate that. We also appreciate your coming to be with us to add your own radiance to the group and bless us with your own individual presence. It means a lot to us. And we know that if even one of you were not here, the field would be different. So you make a huge difference for all of us. And we thank you for being here today. Most of you know that our musings consist in um, some practical suggestions for everyday spiritual life, some music, some silence, and some body movement to keep us fluid so that we can flow with the spirit as it moves forward and moves us forward into this amazing initial uh, wave of evolution that we're going through. That is unbelievably beautiful. Life for us on the planet is up and down. And that's the way it is here. But what we try to do is to stay conscious in those parts and to notice what's going on within us. So, again, thank you for coming. We're blessed by your presence.
Thank you, Myron, for spontaneous compositions that take a lifetime to create with the help of all of us in this unified field. By now, you might be noticing how easy it is to leave our bodies and forget our breathing. It is one of the reasons that the great Russian mystic Gurdjieff would spontaneously and sometimes very loudly say to his assembled apprentices, remember. Breathing as an ever present background, sometimes foreground. Staying with deepening breathing, being curious about deepening spirit, deepening the mystic. Breathing a little more fully, even and especially as we listen more deeply. Shadow, the dark under the surface, our suffering, wherein we often cannot see with our primary sense function blindfolded, the dark of the shadow, wherein other sense functions are potentiated, kinesthesia, that is the sense of sensing with your whole body, breathing more fully, intuition, these are potentiated in the darkness. But also our fears lie in the shadows, so much so that we are basically acculturated to deny them, cerebralize them, avoid them. We are trained not to be curious, but to be fearful of our being afraid, or even fearful about our feeling more deeply anger or even grief. Curiosity and commitment open to the dark. Feels the suffering the going beneath the surface, allows shadow to be part of the committed, integrated whole, allows it by feeling more fully while breathing more fully without acting it out without psychic violence or physical violence. Such dark and distracting time the external world is in right now Seems that much of the media resolutely focuses on the surface of life with ISIS darkness, glamorous distractions, nuclear anxieties, climatic accelerating changes, daily ungrounded uncertainties. As part of my mystic practice, I look for evidence of the light emerging from the crack, the light that is allowed in or what I like to call incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. A recent Sunday business section of the New York Times featured a front page article entitled, A CEO's Management by Mantra, How the Chief of Aetna is Using Meditation and Mindfulness to Reshape His Company's Future. Who woulda thunk? After an NDE, near-death experience, not to be confused with NTE, which the NSA says most of us in this room are, non-threatening eccentrics. <laughs> but after an NDE, the head of one of America's 100 largest businesses set about overhauling his own health regimen and that of his company by offering free yoga and meditation classes with over 13,000 workers participating. And Aetna began offering the same classes to businesses that contract with them for their health insurance as well. After reading Thomas Piketty's Capital in the 21st Century, our enlightened CEO gave his lowest paid workers a 33% raise. Since Aetna, Walmart has also increased the minimum wage, as has TJ Maxx and Marshalls. The Aetna workers who have participated in the wellness programs report almost a 30% reduction in their stress levels, a 20% improvement in their sleep quality, and a 20% reduction in pain. 
The workers report significant productivity increases with demand for the classes rising and all classes overbooked. Aetna is on the vanguard of a transformational wellness movement spreading throughout the business world, including Google offering emotional intelligence courses, General Mills having a meditation room in every building of its corporate campus, Goldman Sachs and BlackRock teaching meditation on the job. All these programs aim to help employees be more present-minded less prone to make rash decisions, and generally be nicer people. And so one of this month's candidates for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation is the new wellness business model. But what gave rise to this incipient transformation was the CEO's NDE. And so with Easter resurrection approaching, I would be remiss not to mention NDEs as part of incipient evidence. It all started, at least in recent times, with Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life, in 1975. NDEs got a very big boost recently from Eben Alexander's book, Proof of Heaven. I feel immensely curious as the evidence accumulates. In fact, it is curiouser and curiouser that so many people across so many cultures and religious perspectives report very similar NDEs. And while there are a good number of NDE organizations, there is at present time no global meta perspective about NDEs. Mostly anecdotal experiences being compiled, but not yet correlated statistically and planet wide. But as witnessed by Aetna CEO and many others, NDEs are powerfully transformative as we hear more and more about them and realize that they constitute this month's evidence for mass positive transformation. Shalom. Christ be with you. Assalamu alaikum. Adieu. Adios. Aloha. We honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light and dark, of peace. As you are in that place in you, and we are in that place in us, in this present eternal moment, we are one. Namaste. One of the huge differences between following a mystical path or following an orthodox path is that in the orthodox, a lot of it is about the intellect and about what we believe and what the rules are. And so it's very oriented toward the mind, toward the intellect. In mysticism, we're much more oriented toward feeling because mystical experiences are felt. They're not thought. Our intimacy with God is an experience, not an idea. And so the first three of our 2015 musings have been about looking at how we can become more intimate with the divine, how we can feel the great spirit in our heart and keep it there at all times. So in January, we suggested using the word beloved for the Great Spirit, the way Rumi did, the way Hafiz did. Use the word beloved. That gives us a kind, that takes us to our heart. And we suggested that we can build a portal between ourselves, open a portal, between ourselves and the beloved and go out in adoration to the beloved and then come back with the blessing of the beloved that we can feel. As we practice this, sometimes in a long meditation, but more often just throughout the day, because it's very easy to say beloved 
and find yourself in your heart. And so that is, has become for me at least a beautiful, beautiful present. And of course, it doesn't matter whether you're expanded or contracted, whether you're up and down, you can always find the beloved within. Always, that's the constant thing. So in February, we talked about how everything is an expression of the beloved. The tree is an expression of the beloved. Everything is an expression of the beloved. We are all expressions. But everything around us is the beloved. So everything is us. And that renders the world a very comfortable and safe place to be, rather than distant and hostile, the way we've held it. So bringing in the energies and giving back the energies to everything that exists is a very dynamic way of staying in our heart and participating in our growth. Today we talk about the beloved within. You may remember that in the first wave of evolution that happened in the late 60s and early 70s, we had some very profound realizations. One of the most profound was that God is within. And the way to get to Godhead within is to just feel that feeling of the divinity within us. It's not an idea. Now, once we really know that God is within, then we can see God without everywhere. But this is the way we access it. And so we talk today about being more intimate with ourselves, with our inner life. And bringing our heart to that. Getting curious about our spirit, about our feelings, about our intellect, about our body, and staying curious. That moves us forward in a fluid way, keeps moving us forward. The beloved resides within the still point in us, the secret place in us, the silence within that is always there. Beneath that silence, there is always change happening. Everything changes all the time. And when we get curious, we allow ourselves to feel those changes going on and support the changes. Because the spirit is always moving and we are always growing. We're always expanding. This is the mystical path. It's not the orthodox path where you know where you are and you've arrived at a certain point and that's where you're going to stay. That's not the mystical path. The mystical path welcomes change and commits to it. Commits to knowing oneself and you all the time. And it makes a huge difference if we do that. To allow the changes to go on. When I was in Tibet, I was in a, a village called Dingre. And um, it was named that because it was founded, it is said, that in the 11th century, this monastery just threw a rock and it dinged there and it stayed there. Magnificent little village. And as I sat there, just watching what was happening... I realized why this was the birthplace of Buddhism. Because you look at the Himalaya, which are gigantic beyond belief, 
and you watch clouds go by. So the mountains are never the same. It's never the same. It's always changing. Always changing. So that's like the Buddha's teaching of samsara. It's like the mountains of the Buddha nature were in our terms the beloved, and then these beautiful clouds going over it, indicating change, and always awakening more, always changing more. So, getting curious about our inner life and our outer life is a way to participate in our own spiritual growth. Our spiritual growth happens by grace, and our way of participating with that grace is to be curious about it and notice it. So if you're noticing your feelings, and you can try this at home, if you're noticing your feelings, just give two breaths. Ask yourself how you're feeling. And then breathe in two times or three times. Then ask yourself how you're feeling. And you will not be feeling the same way. Feelings change by the nanosecond, right? So when we say, I am sad, well, yeah, you're sad, but also there are lots of other feelings going on in there. So we notice that we're in dynamic movement. And that's one of the reasons we have Lawrence help us with body movement, because we want to get curious about our body also, because it's all a cybernetic system. So if I'm curious about the body and I'm moving it in a particular way, it affects everything in me. So there's a brilliant, was a brilliant, brilliant woman named Emily Conrad Daoud, who taught continuum movement. And it's an interesting story. She was a ballet dancer in New York City and then got an assignment in Haiti to go to a theater there. And she saw how the natives there were always moving. And it wasn't making patterns. It was just always moving. So from the ballet point of view, there are only really a few movements. Honestly, those of you who are ballet fans will know there are only a few movements that you can do. That's the orthodoxy. What she discovered and brought home to us who have studied with her is that the body is always moving, always in motion. It never rests. It's never still. So one of the exercises that we did in the workshops was, for example, to just concentrate on a finger and keep your attention on it and it will move. You can't keep it still. It takes a lot of effort to do that because the body wants to move. Emotions we know want to move. That's why we say feel them as they go through you, as they flow through you. Because if you feel them in the flow, they move and do what they want to do. So you don't get stuck in anger or sadness or fear. You don't get stuck in any emotional state. Everything... keeps going. So if you let fear, for example, move through you, it will move. It's in motion. If you get afraid of fear, you'll stop it. If you're angry, you can do the same thing. Let the anger come through you. Let it move. It's what it wants to do. And in five minutes or so, you will have felt that anger through and its movement. So, motion, emotion, as Lawrence has pointed out to us, is feelings want to move. That's all they want. They want to be felt. They want to be breathed into. And they want to move. You don't have to know what's making you sad. You don't have to know what's making you angry. Sometimes you will. It'll be obvious. But other times you don't know. You may just have fear come up in the middle of the afternoon and you have no idea what it's about. But to keep it moving, we turn our attention to it and let it move the way it does. The same is true of our intellect. 
our intellect is always curious, and this is what we want to tune into it. It's always curious. The ego part of the intellect is not curious. The ego wants to stick us in our old patterns and stick us where we were because it gives it the illusion that it's in control. But our intellect always always wanting to search new ideas, new experiences, new ways of looking at the world. And so we get curious about our mental body and really it makes a huge difference. Spiritually, the same thing. So when we open the portal to the beloved, go out in adoration and bring blessing back so that we are one with the beloved and we realize that beloved that we are one with is within us and is within everyone without exception it is with anyone the heart and soul of who they are now they may not realize it but if you're talking to them and you realize it they will suddenly change Suddenly or gradually, but they will change to become softer because it really is contagious. So being in touch with the inner spirit, being in touch with the beloved, when we are in any encounter with anyone, makes that so rich and full and huge. And as we are in touch with our intellect, the larger intellect, the larger mind, we move from linearity into multidimensionality, which is our basic state. We live in all kinds of dimensions at the same time. And we can be aware of them if we get curious. So things don't move just left to right. They don't move in a linear fashion. They move in a like spherical fashion. And we can open ourselves up to that multidimensional reality by simply saying, I want to open up to that multidimensional reality. And it enriches our lives immensely and enormously. So one of the best Practices, most productive practices I have is to, in the morning, know that this is a whole new day and this is a whole new Myron. And then I tune into the beloved. And it's so easy to do because the beloved is so available. I tune into the beloved within me and just feel the grace of that love between us. And I do that all throughout the day, and it makes a huge difference. And it only takes a second to open that portal and to be in the presence of the divine. So we get curious about the movements going on in us, and we commit, commit to change, commit to always changing always growing and that's a big commitment namaste
Some of you who came in a bit later missed a mystic move. And so I just would like to recapitulate that just for the moment. If you bring your hands together right around your heart, and as you inhale, you're receiving in a sort of vibratory, scintillating energy in your hands. Now, if you would, on the exhale, giving this energy up to the Great Spirit. And on the inhale, receiving the energy from the Great Spirit and bringing it back down into your hearts. As you're reaching, letting yourself reach from your heart. And this time again, gathering the energy at the heart chakra and then giving it to Mama Gaia. Hands coming down. Gathering the energy, bringing it back up into your heart. One more time. And this time from the ground, right up through your heart, up into reaching to the Great Spirit. and then coming to rest at your heart. And letting your hands be comfortable. We are coming upon St. Patrick's Day on the 17th, and hence my leprechaun outfit. <laughs> Myron is, I think, the Easter Bunny. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day is obviously a time for religious observance at Catholic Mass but also for attending parades, wearing shamrocks, wearing green, drinking Irish beer and whiskey. However, what might be a mystic integration of this green soul time? But first, today, the Ides of March. That turning point in history, 44 BC, March 15, a full moon period, when Julius Caesar was assassinated and when Rome moved from republic to empire. The energetic significance of this time is of a turning point. It is a time when the Ides sheep were sacrificed. The day was enthusiastically celebrated amongst the common people with picnics, drinking, and revelry. On his way to the theater of Pompeii, where he would be assassinated, Caesar passed the seer, seer who had warned him of mortal danger and joked, the Ides of March have come meaning to say that the prophecy had not been fulfilled, to which the seer replied, I, Caesar, but not gone. This meeting is famously dramatized in Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar, where Caesar is warned by the soothsayer to beware the Ides of March. We learn the Ides as an archetypal turning point, also coinciding with the returning of light and warmth and growing food, a new cycle begins. From the mystic perspective, is there anything about which you are now curious for this new cycle? For yourself? Is there a commitment beckoning? Join us, if you wish, in this hard experiment of acknowledging that about which you are spiritually curious. 
how can for you spiritual unfoldment happen? How can deepening occur? How can I expand my mystic practice of loving the great mystery? Is my growing edge presently more physical or emotional, spiritual? To what might I commit? And now back to the Irish. A mystic perspective of the Irish contains the Celtic tradition embracing one of the oldest spiritual traditions of our species, shamanism, an ancient and ever unfolding mystic wisdom tradition. The ancients discovered a path into divine experience through an organic and mystical connection with the natural world. Sounds a lot like Colorado. This profound nature connection gave rise to the depths of an inner awareness a new consciousness, and a direct connection with source. The shaman was and is the medicine woman or man who acts as healer, priest, caretaker of the earth, wisdom keeper, counselor. The shaman is a person of power who journeys skillfully through realms of consciousness, retrieving insight into the true workings of energy, the currency of spirit, the shaman holds the ability to bring harmony. Shamanism evokes in us an awakening of our indigenous nature, the foundation of almost all healing and spiritual religious traditions. However, shamanism is not a faith, but a constantly evolving wisdom tradition in which we learn from our own individual and collective personal experience. Nor is shamanism a religion. It is dogma-free and supports any existing spiritual practice. Shamanic practitioners nourish the sacred in the self and the world and come to see, know, and work with all energy as sacred. Sounds a lot like a lot of the mystics in this room today. And so our curiosity yields a mystic perspective of the Irish as we commit to doing our best as home-fending, nature-honoring, green mystics. Happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and lastly, our approach to Easter, April 5, 2015. It is a time of surrender, profoundly of Yeshua, but of all of us mystics. Where in our life do we not surrender? Do we remain rigid? Where are we habitually collapsed? Resignation is an attitude of collapsing submission. For example, it is snowing still, said Eeyore gloomily. So it is, and freezing. Is it? Yes, said Eeyore. However, he said, brightening a little, we haven't had an earthquake lately. <laughs> Such is an attitude of resignation. To which we ask, how can we soften the rigidity and support ourselves more appropriately, finding our centers and more, moving more effectively in the world? Surrender is a yielding a letting go, a giving back, a handing over, a spiritual act filled with conscious choice, dignity, and willingness. From great-grandfather Rumi, how did you get here? Close your eyes and surrender. Close your eyes and surrender. <laughs> they are the chosen ones who have surrendered. The hurt we embrace becomes joy. 
weep and then smile. There is a necessary dying. And then Jesus is breathing again. Very little grows on jagged rock. Be ground. Be crumbled so wildflowers will come up where you are. You have been stony for too many years. Try something different. Surrender. Be curious. Commit. Namaste. There is another event happening uh, this month that is very thrilling, which is the Winter Equinox. There is another event happening this month that is worth noting, which is the vernal equinox uh, on the 20th. And it's said to be a very powerful one. Um, There is a total eclipse happening on the other side of the world, but we will feel the energy of it. We have been celebrating the the solstices and equinoxes, um, as well as the Christian holidays and Jewish holidays, because it gets us really in touch with the holiness of nature and the oneness of nature, how we can be affected by the, the moon. Okay. It was on the winter solstice of 2012 that we began, that we moved in to the expansion we're now Uh, experiencing, to the movement forward. And so we celebrate the solstice by having holy objects in front of us, lighting candles, um, having a meal, and doing prayers for the world and for all of nature. So it's a wonderful time to celebrate. It was the original Easter. So... Any case, that's my coda for today.